0: Hi, friends. Before we dive deeply into this podcast, I wanted to share some insight and information that further deepens the conversation that I had here with Amanda Cuda. I recorded this podcast with her on September 12th, and I had verbalized that I would count my 90 days starting September 12th. However, I just had my Reflections of You event in the Keys at Playa Largo Resort and Spa And I had a drink over the weekend. So wanted to be super transparent with you and let you know that I am on this 90-day journey of sobriety yet again. However, that moment on the weekend really made me switch something on that was like, but why? And in the moment, it felt right. And there's nothing wrong with things feeling right and doing it. But there was this element of, but why? Like, why'd you do that? And truly, I believe, possibly out of habit of being in this vacation mode and it being and feeling good having a drink when you're on vacation. And I am further reflecting a little bit deeper on that and this conversation Um, is one that really will continue to evolve and grow within me and I am on my own personal journey with this and exploring this topic and what it really really means to me. So I hope you enjoy this podcast and for nothing else maybe just asking yourself if you can commit to 90 days and 90 days is the perfect amount of time to be able to build that willpower to say I can do this it's long It's long enough. It's short enough. And also giving yourself the opportunity to to explore the conversations that are going on within in those moments that you experience the opportunity to choose between having a drink and not having a drink and what comes up for you. So that journey for me started this past weekend and truly really solidified that, yeah, I might need these 90 days. So I will keep you posted and share with you my ever evolving journey with this topic and my personal experience. And please share with me yours. Hello, and welcome back to the Wuba Woman podcast. Today, I'm really excited to welcome my host, Amanda Kuda. She's an author and a coach, and we are going to be discussing something that has been on my heart for quite some time. And I've been in the midst of working through and kind of teeter tottering back and forth of being sober curious. And I know a lot of my personal clients and a lot of my followers have also been on this journey with me with this curiosity. And I'm excited to have Amanda here to further bring this discussion to the forefront of us as as a collective, as this awareness begins to kind of create ripples in society. So, thank you so much, Amanda, for making this time to have this conversation that I think is going to be just super potent in more ways than one. I can already feel it. <laughs> oh, thank you, Shelly.
1: I am so grateful and excited to talk to you today because my favorite thing to talk about is truly the intersection between spiritual awakenings and sober curiosity. I think that there is a very, very important crossover there. So, yeah. I'm really excited to, to dig
0: in today. Yeah. So give us a little bit of a backstory. Like how did this all come about? What was your journey with alcohol? What was your experience and maybe a little bit of your personal evolution and growth through, you know, maybe not being sober to being sober. Yeah. Well, I want to first say that one of the things that I share that I think is really
1: important is that I never identified as someone who quote unquote had a problem with alcohol. I was just a regular run-of-the-mill social drinker, you know, albeit kind of heavy sometimes on the weekends, but I didn't have any reason to quit drinking. But the time, right around the time I turned 28, I started going through a spiritual awakening. I had a mentor who started introducing me to um, some spiritual concepts that I had just never been privy to because I grew up in a very Christian-based religious part of the country. And I started to have my eyes open to these spiritual teachers like Wayne Dyer and Marianne Williamson and Gabby Bernstein and my mind and my heart were just blown open. And I thought, wow, there is something here that I've never been turned on to before. And it feels really, really right. And about the same time I had had my heart broken. I was transitioning in a job, you know, all the things that kind of happened right around that Saturn returns time. Like my life was just getting blown up. And here I had this new concept presented to me that felt really right. But on the other hand, I had this other lifestyle that I had pursued for over 10 years, which I called my kind of like Carrie Bradshaw lifestyle, which was going out on the weekends, being in the C and B scene kind of hustle culture, working really hard during the week and then playing really hard on the weekends. And something about that felt really incongruent for me that felt very unbalanced. And yet everyone said, this is how you balance your life. You do this and then you do that. And as I continued to pursue my spiritual path, I just kept being drawn more and more and more to give up alcohol. And it didn't make sense again, because I wasn't addicted. I didn't have anything particularly concerning or eventful happening with my relationship with alcohol. Something in me just said, this cannot be part of your path anymore. And I really finally, after about a year and a half of trying to balance the lifestyle, had to listen to that voice because it kept growing louder and louder and more consistent. And at the end of the day, the reality was that the spiritual things that I was doing were not quite sinking in. And I had a feeling it was because all of the not so spiritual things I was doing on the weekend, not that I was doing anything particularly bad, but just alcohol in itself is not a very spiritual practice. So it really kind of hit home for me that Maybe if I wanted those spiritual things that I was devoting so much time to, to actually take effect, that perhaps I should stop drinking.
0: Yeah, I can relate to what you're talking about um, quite a bit. And there's, as I have my water in my wine glass. Mm-hmm. But, I think water, it deserves to be fancy, right? Uh, fancy. But I believe that there is like this element and this is just, you know, personal exploration where there's this element of you having to go through the experience of alcohol to know what it's like to be without it. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of us, as you mentioned, like there's a social scene and we're just doing what everybody else is doing. And mm-hmm. when you're on the spiritual journey, you begin to recognize like this, this doesn't really feel good the next day. Like I feel yeah. funny, like I don't feel clear, whatever the case may be. And in essence if we're honest with ourselves the only reason why we are drinking is to avoid something within ourselves and avoid seeing something within ourselves that may or may not want to be at the forefront of a particular conversation that we're in so the alcohol almost like replaces that 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 like not necessarily aspect but that layer of us to be able to to initiate the social type of of conversation and I think the spiritual world, in addition to even just the secular world, like Katy Perry's coming out with like alcohol, Mm -hmm. wine and all of this. And people are beginning to get on this deeper understanding that alcohol really removes the spirit and the essence of things. Like they use Mm -hmm. it to kill germs, right? Because it takes it out. They use it to take out the essence of essential oils. But then like, there's a part of me that's like how, like, there's a bit of the poison, right, in the mm-hmm. antidote at the same yeah. time, and yeah. I think the experience and the journey of alcohol isn't necessarily, like, like, I'm not a heavy drinker. I was for a very long period of time in college, but, like, since grown out of that, and I drink maybe, like, two or three times a month, if that, but the journey of that that exploration, I think, can take time to, cl- like, kind of and be integrated and embodied in our society, because it is such a thing to go out, go to dinner, have a glass of wine, have a drink with your friends because of that social aspect. Mm -hmm.
1: Yes. And, you know, to even dive a layer deeper as you were, as you were feeling into that, I had this sense of one of the reasons that I don't share this on every show, but I know that it will resonate with you and your, your listeners that one of the things, if you look back even further in my life, like if you look at my chart, I am I got a lot of Pisces in there. She is a sensitive (laughs) lady, right? And I have emotional, yes, emotional, sensitive emotions, (laughs) highly intuitive. I've been, I've, I was always like kind of a witchy kid and I grew up in the middle of nowhere with parents who were not attuned to my specific needs and as society, I grew up in very, very rural, small town. And so when you look at me, a highly sensitive kid who literally you look at my chart, I meant to be like a mystic and I'm around all of these other people who are not on that path. I felt fundamentally different from my peers. And so as someone who's highly empathic, highly sensitive, all of these things, Mm -hmm. I knew how to attune to them and make myself quote unquote normal. And as I got into high school in my later years, I wanted so desperately to fit in and I didn't know what to do with these things about myself that felt so abnormal. So what was the fastest way to fit in and be like everyone else and kind of dull down that mystical, magical sparkle, drink alcohol. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. That was the fastest way to conform to everyone around me. And I found that for a long time, it worked. It really helped me to feel more comfortable in social situations, to feel less other than to feel less strange and weird. And then as my spiritual journey kind of like came to the surface, I started to feel like I'd abandoned a piece of myself. Like I'd shoved her deep down inside and tried to shut her up, poison her with alcohol, quiet her down. And that felt so inauthentic and so wrong that it became uncomfortable. And even though it felt terrifying not to be a social drinker any longer, not to have that social lubrication, what felt even scarier was to continue to not be whoever it was in there that I quieted down for all those years. And I think that that ultimately was the decision that I made is that I wanted to find out who is my authentic self and realizing that I couldn't be her if alcohol stayed in the picture. It just didn't match up for me. And that it took a long time to get to, it wasn't just this like epiphany. I mean, I really fought it for a long time, Shelly, but at the end of the day, as I look back now, alcohol was a tool to suppress the parts of me that felt weird, strange, and different but those are the most magical parts of me. And those are the parts I embrace and love the most now.
0: Yeah. And one thing, like, as you were talking, you know, we talk about spirituality and life itself is spiritual and every part of it is just so spiritual. And it's not like a spiritual journey is designated for specific acts and modalities. It's, it's truly from conception onward, there is this, this, Element that is a part of us that is also in everything that we do. Mm -hmm. And it's interesting that they call alcohol spirits, right? And the bigger question that I want to ask you is that I've had like moments and years in my life where I've been completely sober and then I'll have a glass of wine in the right setting. And I actually feel like I'm more spiritual and I've Mm -hmm. had bouts right and then I think also at the like on the flip side of that I've also had these moments where I'm drinking and my spirit's like we're done here like uh-huh. you can stop. and I think that and you know I think everybody has their own opinion but there is there's, there's a need to be able to I think maybe tune into where you are and also recognize that Every part of life, like if you want to talk about drugs, and if you want to talk about food is a drug, sugar uh-huh. is a drug. Like uh-huh. if we're talking about alcohol, we also have to take into you know consideration the replacement when we when we want to satiate emotions with uh-huh. food, things like that. And I do think that eating can also be a spiritual tool. So that's where I am personally finding myself. It's uh-huh. like I've had that point of sobriety. And in a moment I felt, yeah, I'll have a really good glass of wine with my friends. And it just yeah. like, my heart just like burst open. I was like, wow, this is all so spiritual, right? Mm. And i I've had like my, my mushroom journey and Aya journey and all of that. And I've come to a space in me where at the moment, I think that it's not necessarily something that like I have to do if I go out with my friends and I feel like I'm like, you know, closed off and sometimes I go out and I don't drink but then mm-hmm. there's times where like there's like the right moment where I'm like this is also really good like not to the point of being in a drunken stupor and like totally retarded, right yeah I want to like step into the space where it's like this could also be spiritual and that's where I'm at mm,
1: okay actually,
0: which is really really like weird to, to kind of bring up because I've never said it out loud, uh, anybody else, but that's where I am energetically. And I found it really awesome that we are, you know, bringing about this conversation during this time in my life. And that's why I'm really excited to see how this, this conversation begins to again, shape me and open up parts of myself and see deeper layers of myself um, through, you know, the sobriety aspect of spirituality, but also the, the aspect where, I see everything of like a potential drug as well. Now it's like Mm the food, like the, the air, the water, the drink, all of it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, There's, I mean, there's a,
1: there is a a good and a bad to everything. And I want to be clear that, uh, that alcohol, I do not believe it's bad, wrong or evil, but from an energetic perspective, although I'll go down this route, but I want to ask a question really quick. Do you, do you channel? I do. Okay. I can tell. So I could see like when we started recording, like you had closed your eyes and I'm like, okay, you're, you're like filtering through this message. And I also channel, but I did not know that I did until I stopped really until I really started on my spiritual journey and stopped drinking. Like it just wasn't available to me. So I'll explain it to you like this and see if it resonates or if it might resonate with some of your listeners. So everything we know has an energetic quality and alcohol, unfortunately the energetics of alcohol our lower vibe. So even if we're drinking it for positive reasons, it's a poison. It is going to lower our energetic vibration. Now, there are some people who (laughs) um, feel that they can maybe alchemize it and use it for different purposes. And I'm not against that. However, I do think that the energy that we put into alchemizing something like alcohol could better be perhaps I posit that it could better be perhaps used in a different way. So what I experienced when I stopped drinking alcohol is this sense of my energetic vibration just started to automatically increase. And on top of that, I was doing all of these spiritual and self-help personal development things that kept rising, raising my energetic vibration. And so I started to get these intuitive downloads and it felt really strange. It didn't make sense. I'd never had this happen before. And what I realized is that Number one, I've probably been freaking terrified of it my entire life because again, growing up in the middle of nowhere, being a little strange and weird and different, that is just, that just adds to, adds to the baggage, right? Even though it is really magical. And then, you know, just having a a connection with my intuition, it was not dialed in as a non drinker I was very, um, very very sporadic as a person. I was always looking for affirmation and confirmation from other people. I was very indecisive. I was always looking for other people to basically tell me I was doing things the right way. And I was very much a people pleaser, very much a follow along with the crowd, do what everyone else was doing. And I realized it is because I had quieted down my own intuition so much that I could not hear it. Mm. And your intuition is always there. Your inner guide is always available to you as is a connection to a higher power, whatever that be for you. But when you drink, it is like giving your inner guide a cell phone in a tunnel and trying to tell it to connect. Mm. And when you stop drinking and you clear that vessel, it is like having a state of the art cell phone next to the best cell phone tower in town. And so I just found that there was this direct connection that was so much more available and really felt Powerful and felt good and felt natural that I kind of been fighting before. And mm-hmm. once I felt that I didn't want to not feel it. And I also, once I realized that I could get to it by myself, I didn't want to really attempt to shortcut my way there. And so I'm, I'm super a proponent of psychedelics and other things, but I also, I also find that sometimes people are using it as a shortcut when really they have the power within them. Oh, so yeah. specifically yeah. speaking for alcohol, though, I just started to feel so good and connected that I didn't want to mess up that connection at all. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah.
0: How long is like your journey from like complete, like complete sobriety to like like the dabbling, like in, cause you said it it didn't happen like overnight. Yeah. So I had started to, when I started my spiritual practice, I had started to
1: get these little downloads here and there. And they always came with specific situations but I had a really profound one. I'm gonna say within 90 days of stopping drinking. And I share about this a lot because it like truly knocked me off of my feet. I was in the shower and I had decided that I was gonna stop drinking for 30 days and then I'd extended it and I was gonna try for 90. So sometime in that window, I remember being in the shower and hearing this voice that said, Amanda, you're meant to do big things in this world, but I can't see you doing them with alcohol in the picture. And I felt Shelly, like I'd been punched in the gut. I got full, like full heat in my body. I just felt hot from head to toe. I'm like crouching on the shower floor, trying to regain my breath because it felt so potent and powerful. And that was me really like feeling and believing like, whoa, there is something powerful speaking to me and through me. And I want to hear that voice in a different way. And so, yeah, within that 90 days, and again, this isn't going to, this isn't like, I don't have a formula for this. But I know that that felt so good and so true that I didn't want to not hear it anymore. I love that. And how long yeah. like how long have you been sober? Almost seven years. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. Congratulations. Yeah. Thank you. I feel good. I mean, this was never the intention. Let me promise you. I wanted yeah. to be kind of in the same shoes as you, like every now and again, take it or leave it. But then when I started experiencing the benefits, I was just like, this no, you. I think I'll just leave it. I don't want it anymore.
0: Yeah. And quick question, like, and this is a question that I've always asked myself because I follow some people from California and they're like, I've been sober for seven years, but then they they also do other things. yeah. And then I'm just like, is that what they mean? Or is it just alcohol? So like, what is your reference point for like that whole sobriety thing? Because I've seen some things and I'm like, you were just doing mushrooms. It's like, Right, I'm confused, <laughs> right?
1: So, you know, I mean, I technically say that I'm alcohol free. Um, okay. and I, what you're referring to specifically, they have a name for it called Cali Sober, which means that you don't yes. drink but you smoke weed or do you know THC, cannabis, whatever. Gotcha, gotcha, okay. And that's definitely a California thing that's kind of filtered into other places. And my thoughts are, you know, actually, I have some really big thoughts on this is that I anything it can be used as medicine, and I think that that. You can have profound healing experiences with mushrooms, ayahuasca, so many other things. And there can also be this turning point. And I live in Austin. So it's, you know, one of the like things is like, what plant medicine do you do? Ah. It's a big difference between having like a ceremonial intentional experience and doing plant medicine all the time. And I think that some people have dipped into that as a resource versus as a a healing tool. And I don't know where the line is, Shelly. I'll tell you that. I have no idea where the line is. I think that you can be from like recovery standpoints. I know that sober does not include psychedelics or pot or any of those things. You are substance-free, but I think that there are some definitions now where sober or sober curious or alcohol-free allows for you to partake in other things for different reasons that are a choice of your own. And I don't think any of those things are bad or wrong. Again, I think they can be super helpful. I just think from my perspective, I like to look at it as where can I find within me the power to access this on my own. And sometimes having a shortcut to it does give you a like sense of what it feels like. And so sometimes I think that can be like a guidance scale for when, for, to get there on your own. But I think that when you start to rely on anything to connect with your inner guide, spirit, God, whatever, then becomes a little bit of a problem.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And like the whole label thing too, is also something like I, you know, I, I interpret astrology and human design and I, I use the reference points as labels, but I'm like, it's not the Bible. You know, there's like some, it's very, you know, flexible and pliable uh-huh. with regards to like all of these different labels. Um, But one thing as you were, as you were talking that came up for me is my, my spiritual journey, I too grew up in a very Christian household, but like the Christian household that I grew up in was very much in tune to spirituality, very much mm-hmm. in tune to prayer, very much in tune to channeling messages and receiving dreams and all of that. So like, yeah. that was actually, and I think probably a, a foundational premise for me because it was very, very normal in my house. Maybe yeah. not my house, but like, totally. my, yeah, it was awesome. House. Yes, it was very, very normal. And I actually started plant medicine maybe three years ago on my, actually it's coming up on four, on my 33rd birthday Okay, for the first time, like mushrooms and any of that. Like I was a very, you know, prude, prude, prude child growing up. And I actually think that I've hit levels sober higher than like, and I don't know if that's your personal experience, Mm -hmm. but like Mm -hmm. breath work through like healings through like deep meditation and like stillness. I remember one time I was like, out after yoga, I'm like, I'm going to go meditate. I meditated for like four hours. And I looked at my phone. I was like, holy shit. Is it really real? Like, was I really there for four hours? And then in my spirit, and I vividly remember this, it was like, when you go to sleep, you don't like. When you wake up, you're not like, "Wow, that was eight hours of sleep." And I was like, "Yeah." And it was like, your your soul and your your consciousness don't know time. Mm-hmm. So you reached a point in meditation where it was like, it is. It, mm-hmm. it was like the moment. Yes. And like, wow, what a powerful reference to have, right? And I truly believe that there is a space for plant medicine because. What the way that I interpret it and any substance really is, you're conscious. Mm-hmm. Right? If you're in deep meditation. You're like plugged into the unconscious mind a hundred percent. Whereas when you're doing plant medicine, for me, the way that I would interpret it is that both your conscious mind and your unconscious mind are online, yes, attempting mm-hmm. to like have this form of communication to clear. And there's, there's an element, I think that happens too, that, like you said earlier, it introduces you to what's possible, Mm -hmm. but truly if you eradicated the substance part and you tuned into the, the, the essence of presence and the essence of, of true consciousness, right. And, and deep connection there is, there is so much more powerful because your conscious mind is like, offline. Almost. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like, you know, the, the vision that I got when you were sharing that is it's like plant medicine is kind of like, um, riding your bike with training wheels. And the training wheels give you like a stability for what it feels like to get there. Yeah. But then you are able to ride without the training wheels if you want to. And yeah. that is a really powerful, like four hour meditation that you didn't even oh, like wild. intend was- to go into. That had to feel really good to take yourself there, right? That's like it good, really freaking it powerful.
0: Also, it was super alarming too. It's like, whoa, did I just like time lapse? Like that was a warp, you know? Uh-huh. Like it catches you off guard. And that was actually, that was like the last time that I actually had a long meditation like that, but it was intended Mm -hmm. for a purpose essentially, but right. Right. Yeah. I think that,
1: you know, the more I got into experiences like that through breath work or, you know, deep meditation or a combination of the both that that felt so powerful to me. And I also knew that because I finally felt like what it felt to feel good with alcohol fully out of my system. And I'd done little spurts where I was drinking less or not drinking for chunks of time. But the way alcohol works is it stays in your system a lot longer than from when you're hungover, And so there was still this like dull feeling I had where I couldn't quite tap in. And so once that dullness was gone, I was like, can we cuss here? Yeah. I was please. like, fuck, why the fuck would I want to have that back in my life? I'm like, no way.
0: I just don't, I don't want to introduce it back in. What's that? It's Like sludgy residue.
1: Yeah. And I just felt kind of fuzzy, but I didn't realize it until it lifted and I felt unfuzzy. And then I was just like, Whoa, I'm operating at a different level. And this is powerful. It feels really good. Now is my life doves and rainbows? No, like shit still happens. Shit still hits the fan, but I'm also more capable to deal with it. And I also Um, One of the things I love to talk about is my ability to manifest is so much more powerful now because I've gotten out of my own way. And because I'm vibrating more frequently at that higher vibration, I'm constantly aligning with the high vibe things that I want. And so that feels so good too. like to have things come into your life that you are, you used to struggle to get at. And now it's just like being magnetized to you. Like that's a great feeling. And so I just kind of and like, well, I feel like I have it pretty good now, <laughs> even the times yeah. that are hard are not nearly as hard as the times were before.
0: Yeah. You're like plugged in, mm-hmm. like plugged in the outlet, like completely plugged into the outlet.
1: Yeah. And I mean, do I still like zone out on social media or, you know, whatever it is? Totally. Yes, absolutely. Because I'm a human who and I'm not an ascended master by any means. No. But- you know, and I assume... what, you don't
0: want to be like we came here to be human and to experience. And I think the spiritual world, not all of it, but a lot of the spiritual world, almost forgets that like yes, we are spiritual beings, and like I said, everything is spiritual. But sometimes we lose the reference point of the human part and like the sense of being like hum- human and being within mm. humanity and like in this body and like experiencing all the things. Yeah, that's like such a gift in and of itself. And I don't. I would never, like, my goal would never be to be, like, prim and proper. Never. Right. Like, whatever all yeah. day, like, I will experiment with drugs if I want to. That's my, pr- I'm like, I'm here to have fun. <laughs>
1: yes. Yeah, I know. I'm definitely not trying to be, within like, limits. in a robe within up limits. on a hill.
0: <laughs> yeah, within limits, within boundaries, of course. Yes, yes. Uh, can you share a little bit um, about maybe, like, physical shifts and changes outside of, like, the spiritual realm of, like, Cause I also think that our bodies are beautiful reference points too for like our inner clarity. And, and cause you know, our body speaks to us in so many different ways. Like the, the feelings that we have, the, the diseases that we have is essentially the language of the body, just like the, like the words are the language of the mind and the emotions are the language of the heart. So with that emotional clarity, Um, And with that mental clarity, were you able to really maybe move through traumas and, and pains and heart, like heartache and all that stuff. And like, have, did you feel it like viscerally in the physical form as well? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, absolutely. Like I
1: was such a victim when I was a party girl. Like I just, if something happened, it was happening to me, not for me. Mm -hmm. Everyone was, you know, not out to get me, but if something happened, it surely wasn't my fault. I had nothing to do with it. No. And I was just always blaming other people. And I also didn't have the capacity to really do the healing work that I wanted to do. So yeah, I was in therapy, but I was just like talking myself in circles and never really doing too much about it because I didn't have the time or the space. And I was replaying out patterns that were like unsupportive in my, both my romantic and my familial and my professional life and all the lives. And when I stopped drinking, I suddenly, you know, just was able to, you know, I'm a student of a course in miracles, and I'm not sure how familiar you are with that. Yeah, text, yeah I've but read it. I read the yeah. Book. Mm-hmm. So it philosophizes that there's either fear or love. Yeah. And I was truly operating from fear, anger, resentment, all of those negative feelings, and it's like I believed I understood love, but I couldn't touch it. I couldn't really feel it. And when I stopped drinking, all of a sudden a space opened up where I was able to see others in a completely different, innocent and forgiving light. And it was just really profound the ways in which my friendships changed. Some of the, you know, long-term struggles I had with my family unit started to shift and get even a a centimeter better. And Mm -hmm. a centimeter, if that's all I could get felt pretty damn good. And so it was just all of these little micro changes, but also my, my shift was that things might not have changed, but I, my ability to deal with them and see them in a more positive light or fail to be bothered by them. Let's even say that things might not have changed, but I sometimes failed to be bothered by the things that used to put me in a tailspin. And that felt really freaking powerful.
0: Hell yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you go around, you're like being unbothered. That's like, that's a, that's like a superpower. It is. And let me tell you what I used to be like real housewives level
1: drama. Like that's just how I thought we were supposed to operate. And now I can't, I cannot deal with drama, gossip, just asinine shit. I just don't have space for it anymore. And it's not that I leave it. It's just that I don't even attract it any longer. And if I am in the midst of it, I'm pretty good about, dealing with it, alchemizing it, or pulling myself out really quickly and not giving a shit, not even worrying about it. And that, wow, I just have so much more space to be productive and do what I want to do because I'm no longer mired down in pain and anxiety and some of those icky emotions that we get stuck in.
0: Yeah. And like bogged down energetically. Like I know Mm -hmm. last time I drank heavily was, I don't know, maybe it was like my friend's 40th birthday. Mm -hmm maybe like six or seven months ago. And I woke up the next morning. I didn't feel like, like a total shit bag, yeah. but I woke up and I just like felt like fuzzy. And I'm just like, oh, that was way too much. Like had a great time, mm-hmm. Loved my friends, danced my ass off, but oh, like not again. And I remember like having those moments incrementally little by little over the course of my life where it's been like, okay, pull back. Okay, mm-hmm. pull back. Okay, pull back. And I've recently, you know, been through this journey where I went out to dinner for another friend's birthday, and I just had like a glass of wine, and I'm just like I'm good, and like I can enjoy it, and that's it. Um, so I I find it to be very fascinating to maybe in this point in my life because the last time I was sober for over a year was probably maybe five years ago, mm-hmm. right around my Saturn return too. Some- yeah. Saturn return really kind of throws you on your ass. And you're just like, that old life that I did, <laughs> like, it's not working for me, like everything's got to go. Yes. But, um. The one thing that came up as to ask you, is I know that we're strictly talking about alcohol, but did you alchemize anything in conjunction with sobriety? that really, you know, brought about more of a grounded energy or was it just literally like you woke up and you're just like, that's the only thing I changed uh-huh. or did you also like in conjunction, maybe start like a physical practice or um, was that when your meditation journey strengthened, like what uh-huh. was also like the spiritual elements when since we're talking about spirituality and, and sobriety, like the spiritual elements that were like in conjunction with that journey. Yeah, so
1: that's a really great question, and I think that this is um, really important for anyone who's on a spiritual journey because the reality was I was quote unquote doing all the things as soon as I turned 28 and my my mentor kind of teed me up to start studying spirituality. I was reading A Course in Miracles. Let me tell you what it's hard shit to read when you're hungover or not like in your right mind. I'm reading Wayne Dyer. I'm reading Marianne Williamson. I'm doing all of the spiritual texts. I'm going to yoga. I'm going to meditation. I'm journaling, check, 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 doing those things. But again, it just felt like it wasn't, it was just like motion. It was robotic. I was checking the boxes and then wondering like, why don't I feel blissful? Like all my mentors are saying I should feel.
0: Mm -hmm, And
1: once I, once I removed alcohol, I had a little more energy to devote to those things. So because I wasn't going out on the weekends, I definitely was waking up and meditating and journaling more and being more consistent with it. Um, so it wasn't that I wasn't doing it before. It's just that it didn't really, it's like, it was canceling it out a little bit. You know that like we all have that friend who's like, Oh, I don't know why I'm not losing weight. I eat really healthy. And then you actually look at what they're eating and they're like, you drank seven diet Cokes today or something, whatever it is not healthy, babe. And that's what I was doing. I was like, I don't know why I'm not an ascended master. I'm doing all the things. But then I had this other thing that counteracted and contradicted all my spiritual practices during the week. But I like, I wouldn't let it make sense because I was being really stubborn and wanting to hold on to this
0: like normal identity. It becomes an identity almost, especially when a lot of your friends have like, you know, that was like how you made them, you know, like, is like what you do with your group Mm -hmm. of friends. And yeah, it's a layer of your identity that you kind of have to like dig, dig the six foot hole and dump it in there. Yeah. I had to be okay with
1: potentially losing some of those friendships and shifting the way that I showed up in the world, because realistically, you know, if I wanted to be a more spiritual person, I had to start hanging out in those circles. And so I did have to start stepping back a little bit from the late night crew. And also the interesting thing is that I didn't realize how empathically sensitive I was until I was not diluting myself and kind of covering up some of those sensitivities. So big rowdy crowds and things like nightlife started to become not overwhelming in the sense that I was like paranoid, but like whoa, they drained me really, really fast. Yeah, And even things like, you know, I just realized that I'm actually really sensitive to substance. So as I started to cut back on drinking in the very early stages, even like that glass of wine at dinner, I would feel pretty bad the next day. And I'm like, what's wrong with me? But I built up such a tolerance that I wasn't aware of it. And like any other, like, I don't really get along well personally, um, with, um, with cannabis, And any small amount, I'm like, whoa, like y'all, are y'all feeling this? And I'm not someone who's considered a lightweight. Like I could, I like had a, a hollow leg as a drinker. Like I could drink anyone under the table, but now as I like let myself be in my full space, I'm pretty sensitive. And so just like different substance and different ways in which I interact in the world, I have to be more mindful because I am a little more sensitive with some of those things. And so, yeah,
0: social, socially things had to
1: change a little bit because of that too.
0: Yeah, and I think that that's where many of us journey into, right? When we're stepping into a different expression and a different layer and a different version of ourselves, like we have to ask ourselves, like, is this decision, like, this decision that I make is going to shift the trajectory of my life, but it's going to bring me to where I want to go and where I want to go, I'm required to let other things go in order to, to attain that. I'm okay with it. And, you know, it it is, and it can be a very hard journey for, for people to go through. And I don't know if I'm just like a bit of a cold hearted bitch too, but (laughs) (laughs) we have always been like, if it's okay, if they're not for me, they're not for me. Like if I say my piece and I lose my job, I lose my job, like not out of you know boundaries, but in the sense of saying it's like, this is where I'm going and it's okay. If you don't go with me and it's yeah. not that have like a fuck you attitude, but it's more so like, I, 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 I let you go in peace and love, but I'm also open to accepting what's intended for me in peace and love through my mm-hmm. journey. Yeah. And sometimes the decisions that I've made were not, you know, properly in alignment with what essentially, you know, my higher good and, and things had to <laughs> work because I made decisions that I, really needed to make to experience the hardship, right? Because if I didn't experience that hardship, you, you can't get to the next step. And there's like these thresholds and, you know, substance and alcohol, it brings you to a different threshold to not only accept more of your surroundings and your environment, but to also level up your own standards of self and really hold yourself accountable. And I think the bigger conversation that's really deeply ingrained in, in conversations like this is like trusting the self. Mm -hmm. And it's like, we distance ourselves so much from like our true essence of who we are, that there are these, these happenings that we abandon ourselves Mm -hmm. and we abandon ourselves for, you know, whatever reason, whatever our story might be. And this is just a, 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 I don't want to call it medicine, but it's like, a it's like a band-aid so to speak that that we adopt and that's why it becomes an identity is because we've, ab- a, we've abandoned a layer of ourselves and as you mentioned in your personal story it's like you had this you had this knowing that there was something in you that was very different and this this substance is what kind of really brought the the community which mm-hmm. we, we really want to you know yeah. so it's like, yes these these choices are going to morph your community but that community that you morph into if this decision is what you choose to step into is going to bring you to the next level you because you're you're taking radical responsibility for saying this is no longer serves me and because Mm -hmm. it no longer serves me i'm making this decision to cut and sever this old way of being for the new version to to evolve and take form oh absolutely so
1: well said, like there I, and to be honest, I was not as brave as you because I'm like, Oh no, I'll have no friends. Everyone will hate me. So I went through this like deep piece of like, I'm going to have to like really show them. I'm still so cool. I'm still like a down, down, you know, down friend. And then I realized I, it took me a while personally to realize that and to get into that space, but kind of, as I did make space for some of those things, you know, I wanted to. Write a book. I really, my like, one of my key mentors is Gabby Bernstein. I like really wanted to follow in her footsteps. I really wanted to have her book agent and some things that like I would never have really dreamed as possible. I thought were little well, like cute little dreams out there. Guess what? I have Gabby Bernstein, same book agent. I got a book deal. I got all of these things that I wanted and didn't think were possible because I made space for them and I went after them. And I think that anyone who's listening to a show like this has big dreams on their heart. Like you don't listen to a podcast about woo-woo things and spirituality and astrology and human design, unless you believe that there is something more like mystical and magical out there. And I truly do find that alcohol just dulls down that like sparkle that you have. And it's a way to stay safe. Of course, like you're not going to be able, I would never have been able to achieve my dreams at the speed and with the ease and grace that I did if I would have kept drinking because I was just diluting myself, my essence. And I think that anyone, you know, this is not a, like, you must stop drinking or else you're going to be like, you'll never manifest and you'll be a failure and you'll be unspiritually aligned. It's just, Hey, if you want it bigger, faster, better, give it a try. I think that it is worth a go 90 days. Just see what happens and, and see if you start to feel some of these things shifting and happening that I'm describing. Yes love that so much. Can you tell us a little bit about your book? Yes. So my book is called unbottled potential, and it's all about breaking up with alcohol as a path to breakthrough to your best life. And it's really my take on using sobriety as a personal and spiritual development tool. You know, it's not necessarily about, well, it's definitely not about addiction or recovery. It's about having this sense, the sense that I had that I was meant for something bigger And that I had big dreams that weren't just fantasies. They were actual dreams that were meant to be mine. And that includes not only like my professional desires, but my desires for a romantic partner, my desires for a specific type of connection and friendship, my desires for emotional and spiritual healing, that these are all aspects of my full potential. And they had been so out of reach. It felt like I was like, running, like walking on a treadmill, but you're getting nowhere, right? You know, you're doing something and you're like achieving something, but you're not gaining any distance. And that's what I felt like for so long. Like I was successful, but not the success that I really yearned for. And so if you're on that path where you feel like, Hey, I'm doing pretty good, but I think that I meant for more, it's really just a call to or permission slip, I guess, to try to remove something from your life that may be keeping you stuck.
0: Yeah. And explore that. And I think we can all relate to feeling icky at one point in our lives when we introduced alcohol into mm-hmm. our systems. And you know, with that being said, there there's also a bit of like where there is resistance, there is an opportunity. And that mm-hmm. resistance is 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 a call to something. And I love how the introduction to explore what this feels like is available and so available now that people are making you know alcohol-free drinks and wine Mm -hmm. they everywhere has mocktails and like I've had them and they're amazing so good it's so sophisticated yeah and they're fancy and they're cute and like you know there was a part of me that at one point was like am I really drinking because I like it or because I just feel fancy with the glass
1: yeah (laughs)
0: right there's like a there's like a point that's like wow I like I'm out to dinner have this fancy drink and there's like that element and a lot of these places are really you know adopting this this desire and the curiosity is being more supported now in my opinion at least I'm in South Florida so like we Mm -hmm. have you know Fort Lauderdale and Miami and a lot of these places really do support you know the alcohol free environment and the mocktails yeah. beautifully and the 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 big thing that I would love if anybody listening is is gonna do this I think I'm gonna try it for for 90 days. Yes you've inspired me you've inspired me to come again on this journey. But I don't know like how how you would suggest because you know I I know you've like been through this but journaling day 1 journaling day mm-hmm. 2 journaling day 3 and just really putting it on paper, because sometimes when we go through something, we get to the Mm -hmm. end and we're like, I don't really feel different. Right. Yeah. When you're able to go back to day one and maybe even see yourself, like, do like a a video, like your skin and everything, Mm -hmm. your demeanor, like your look in your eyes. Right. You'll be able to see these, these changes and these shifts and share them. Like, I would love to share, like for you to share and comment, um, with regards to your journey, if you, if you end up doing that venture, I I'm going to do it. Yes. Oh, please do take pictures because I, I'm so didn't, I'm gonna try. yeah, I didn't
1: know that I was going to quit for as long as I did slash never drink again. Oh, and I never took any pictures. And I'm like, I, I mean, I have like pictures of me, but there were never any intentional, like to see my skin, to yeah. see my face, to see my body. And I'm like, Oh damn, I really missed this comparison physically, and it's not all about the physical change, but you can see like, but the essence of me come back online, that was not
0: there. Yes. And there is something to the physical because the physical is still spiritual, right? Mm -hmm. And it is like a mirror of what's essentially going on in your body. And that's why like, when I see like some of these you know, I, I follow, I forget, I don't even know what the account is, but they show you like these, these recovering addicts and like when mm-hmm. they were an addicts and then like, as they get sober. And like you said, it's like, it's almost like your soul comes back in your body. And like yes. when this, when they're actually like in the, the addict phase, it's almost like they're a zombie and like their, their souls, like somewhere over here. And mm-hmm. then the soul is like, Oh my gosh, I can inhabit this home again. Right. Yeah. Like I can fully live in this, in this, ecosystem now it's safe it's safe and you know and you know I say that and it's probably very much that feeling for most people it's like I finally feel safe in myself and in my body when you kind of like rid that addiction to whatever it is and it's 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 a component that really truly is there's that emotional part to, to all things that really kind of hook lines and sinkers us sometimes. Mm -hmm. Right. But yeah, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. Okay. I'm so excited. I want you to report back.
1: This is my, like, I was telling you as we started, this is my true joy because I, this happens a lot on podcasts that I'll get a host. that's like a little bit sober curious. And as we talk, I'm like, I think, I think you have some, like something here, no pressure, but I've, I have a really good friend who now she's I think a year and a half, two years alcohol free. And we met on her podcast and she decided that day, like I'm going to do 90 days. And she is just more vibrant and more magnetic and more just everything in her essence than ever before. And I think it's so cool and so powerful. And I just like, why wouldn't I want that for more people? Like this isn't some secret I'm trying to like keep boxed in. It's like
0: really powerful. And I want other people to feel that. Yeah. And I think that The unfortunate part is that it's probably one of the most toxic and it's the the most legal. Mm -hmm. And it is something that, you know, in my surroundings, there's a lot of people that are very, like, very much sober and like, you know, they, they announce it, they post it on Mm -hmm. Instagram and all of that. And it is something that is definitely in my awareness where it's almost like spirit, are you calling me back? Are you, back? <laughs> are you calling me back? I hear you. I see you. Let's, let's play. Let's yes. do a dance. So I'm going to do this 90 day dance. Ooh. I will definitely keep you posted on it. And if anybody listening does it too, um, I would love, love, love to, to hear your journey. And I'm sure Amanda would as well. She's, yeah. she's, a too. she's Amanda Kuda. There's something else at the end. No. Nope.
1: Just, yep. I managed to get my, my own name. So yeah, just Amanda Kuditz, K U D A. And I really want to encourage anyone who's doing this to really tap in and ask your guides for support and signs on this next 90 days. Because I think that if you ask for a couple of affirmations, you're going to see some really powerful things. It's kind of like, Hey universe, show me what you got. And the universe is like, okay. I mean, I've just seen some really profound things happen in these 90 day periods. If you really like intentionally tap in.
0: And, and I think that it's also an opportunity to, to be aware of those things because there's a part of that, that's, that's happening, but sometimes we're just like so clouded or in mm-hmm. a different realm that we're, we don't even know we're in the right place at the right time. Cause we're like unaware of the facts, like, you, yes. can't even, you know, like
1: oh, I'm sure I missed so many miracles when I was in that fuzzy space.
0: Yes. But Hey girl, listen, No. You did not you you latched on to every miracle that was intended for you because you are yes. doing what you needed to do. And sometimes the ma- the cardinal mind or like the conscious mind has that, you know, fucking Google database that sometimes I wish I could control all delete many times. Oh, yes. And then like the bigger picture is like, no, bitch. You needed all that bullshit yes. you it because it wouldn't have made you who you are. You wouldn't see things the way you do. Like you just mm-hmm. wouldn't be you and your message and like your story and your book is so much more potent and powerful because you have that mm-hmm. story because you're sharing that element. Like if somebody who was sober their entire life is like preaching at the pulpit, it's like, but where do you come from? Yeah, like, you don't know. How, are you re- how can you relate to people who, 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 have been right. Yeah. Like you have that. And that, you know, is a part of your journey. And I'm sure that over the course of time, this is just like a snippet and you'll look back mm-hmm. to this, like, wow, that was my first book. And like, look at everything else I'm made, I'm making now, you know? Yes. Yes. I, I know that.
1: I, I truly do believe that. I do not regret for one minute, any of the things that happened that got me here, because I know that it was all divinely placed and guided to put me where I am today. And it's what gives me the moral authority to speak about what I speak
0: about today. And I'm just, I'm very grateful for it. So thank you, universe. We appreciate you. Yes, I'm so grateful that the universe brought us together. To have as well. this conversation and once again, kind of knock on my door, like, Hey girl, let's, let's get back on, let's get back on it. So yes. I'm excited to share with you my journey that starts today. So it ends what would be september october november 12th yeah september, october yep november 12th okay right before right. the back in yes i will check back in ah! yes! <laughs> Thank you so much, Amanda, for taking the time to have this conversation. I'm deeply privileged to have this conversation with you. And thank you for sharing your story to the world, because I think so many more of us really need the support system, especially from a relatable human being like yourself. It really helps us, you know, find that that essence in ourselves and really pursue bigger things because we are all made for bigger things, essentially. And sometimes, you know, the journey of life can can pack on certain things and mm-hmm. you bring that clarity to the table for us to see the potential of what that could look like for us. So thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you, Shelly. I'm so glad to be here today.
0: So follow Amanda Kuda on the gram. All of her information will also be in the show notes and check out her book, Unbottled Potential. Thank you so much again. Thank you.